Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week, it's over and out. Or, as I prefer, 53104. Wait, what? Nothing, don't worry about it. I don't. Is it because of the call numbers? Yeah, 104. Yeah, I know that. And his friend was 5-3. Yes. But that's a different Alkaline Trio song. Correct. David, Anthony. Yes, Tim Crisp. Uh, so are we... Which Alkaline Trio song are we talking about this week on As You Were a Podcast about Alkaline Trio? Because I have Over and Out, but you're saying now it's 5-3-10-4. Um, it's Over and Out. Oh, okay. Um, The... The spiritual sister of five three ten four. Yes. yes. Uh, his first use of uh, radio signals in song. Do you think that he said, "I'm going to call this five three ten four so that everybody understands the song radio"? Yes. Yes. Where it all comes from. Uh huh. Yeah, it's that relation backwards. Um, so but we're, we're here to talk about it over and out. Are you sure you don't want to uh, continue to put off talking about over and out? I mean, I would rather put it off, to be real. Because um, I've got feelings. Of course you've thoughts. got feelings. Because as our listeners of As You Were a Podcast with Alkaline Trio know, this is part of my... Blank period. I, is, is there, this is part I was going to say rediscovery empty, period. Empty period. This is this is the the record that I checked out on. You, yes. my friend, lived through it. Lived through it. You mm-hmm. lived to tell the tale. Arguably, yes. Uh, Man, beautiful weather we're having in Chicago, Illinois, just every, right now. Whoa, is that picking up? Say, I couldn't tell you. Okay. Um, well, it's raining very hard behind me, as it has every day for the past three months. <laughs> Why this is happening, I don't know. I just want to die. Anywho, agony and irony. Why is this happening? I just want to die. Um, <laughs> all right, that's a little much. I, I'm going to probably be a little uh, extra, as some people would say on this episode, because... As we've discussed, this record is is hard for me. It's not my least favorite. I think there are more redeeming points than uh, the record that follows it, This Addiction. But I have a lot of issues with a lot of things. And I will tell you straight up that hearing this song in 2008 was not something I loved and was not very encouraging because the experience of going through Agony and Irony that first time is I'd heard the second track, Help Me, the first single. Oh, um, that was the first single? First single. Um, which is whatever. It's not a song I feel really strongly about in either direction. It's always been a very middle-of-the-road alt-rock song to me. Yeah. The first song on the record, Calling All Skeletons, is very cloying, but I'm fine with. I think it's got some decent parts. That's definitely picking up. I would assume. Um, and then track three is In Vain, which I hate. Hate. I think I was maybe too generous to it when we talked about it early on because I didn't want to, like, 
you know, really just go out the gate shitting on it, but that's not a good song. You didn't want to alienate the the listeners because that was my job at the beginning of this podcast when we were still figuring it out. Yeah, um, and now we can speak a little more frankly. Over and out, coming immediately out of that, at the time, felt very like, uh, I don't know, this is just like, you're trying to write this emotional ballad, and it's like about soldiers and war, and just like at that time, that felt very cheap to me. Um, influenced by a lot of things. I mean, it was 2008, so we're on the tail end of the second Bush administration. We've been at war with Iraq for years. Um, and there is this like still brooding nationalism kind of coming out of popular culture. Yep. Definitely country music. We got like shock and y'all mm-hmm. by Toby Keith and shit. Um, you know, the Dixie chicks basically getting like pushed out for, opposing bush but toby was, keith's horses and toby keith's men yes exactly great line mm. um mm. an all-time favorite mm. uh and there was this rising like hashtag resistance and the punk thing with like punk voter and the rock against bush stuff and and that had always been there this kind of anti-authoritarian stuff but now we're seeing the potential for barack obama mm-hmm. and people are kind of softening on everything it doesn't feel as charged as it does in 2003 because 2008 and he's out of office. Everything's going to be fine. Yeah. But I will point out for the record that the Democrats had to win an election by having a real strong foreign policy there. You can't get pushed around by terrorists. Yeah. So I think we look at the Obama administration with a lot of rose-colored lenses. And as far as a lot of his foreign policy stuff, yes, yes, he got us out of Iraq, but boy, did that guy like to bomb things. No, totally. And I think, you know, that's something that is just constantly kind of overlooked. And so... To hear this, and like I was familiar with Matsky, but saying in interviews that his parents met in Vietnam or both served in Vietnam, and like I get that, and I get wanting to sing about that, which I think is kind of here. And I, you know, later would learn that he's singing about his grandparents and their experiences. And I think there's some touching stuff, but I was just like, who is this hitting? And who is the song for? song isn't for me who like has very very like deep-seated thoughts about militarization and foreign policy and and even how militarization in the past 10 years we've seen these people return to places like chicago and go from being you know active combat training to police officers and i just there's a lot of messiness that we need to talk about when Mm -hmm. we're talking about what happens not even just with the military in other countries, but what happens when it comes home and they're re-entering the workforce? Usually in like things that are policing. Um, so anyway, I have a lot of thoughts and feelings, but this coming out in the same year is like "Hero of War" by Rise Against is just like it's repellent to me. It was very difficult for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of people kind of hedge their bets and be like, you know, but you gotta respect the troops. You got you got to support him. Fuck that. Like yeah. no, I don't. Um, and supporting the it, troops is not putting them in these situations. Supporting the troops is not glamorizing their experience for the sake of like shoddy art. And in a in an age where there's no draft, there's no 
most of the people that I went to high school with who joined the military either needed to do something because they were going to end up in jail or they were a dickhead. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't want to be too disparaging, but at the same time, it's like this is a volunteer service that's happening right now and the glamorization of a time where people didn't necessarily have that choice or they were going in to fight off a genocide. Like, that whole complex is very, very messy. Yes. Um, I would... I, I really latched on to your point about the rise against song mm-hmm. because when i fresh eared listened to this song for the second time in my life sure for the first time since 2008 yeah um probably you had no memory of this song actively no absolutely not um i listened to it and i said oh word they're trying to be rise against yes and trying to be rise against in a way that rise against had this sort of seamless pivot into alternative radio. And I took my brother to see Rise Against in the Lawrence Arms and our friend Jeremy in Touche Amore. Ah, yes. Uh, By this time, you can hear me and Jeremy over on Better Yet. Nice. Uh, I'm excited to hear it because I've not. Um, But... I took my brother to see Rise Against. My brother doesn't really like music, but my little sister does, and I would take her to see concerts, and Rise Against is one of the few bands that I know that my brother likes. He likes a couple Lawrence Arms records that I've showed him. He likes a couple Alkaline Trio records that I've showed him. So I said, hey, why don't you come to the city? We'll go to this show. Went to the Aragon Ballroom to see it, and I watched the whole thing, and I was like, man... Rise Against is a big band. Yeah, it's kind of wild, isn't it? Yeah. Uh did see a lot of a lot of soldiers there. Sure did. Um but I wasn't I wasn't mad about that at all. Mm-hmm. I was just kind of watching it and taking it in and understanding that, you know, this is the Aragon Ballroom. There are thousands of people yeah, around 5, me. Yeah, thousand people. The fact that my brother likes this is a good thing. And there, there are worse things that are happening musically in the world, and kind of to an extent, like good on you. You're fucking filling this place. Sure, sure. Um, musically, is it something that I'm gonna go home and listen to? No, no. But if I heard it on the radio, I don't think I would be mad about it. I don't yeah. think that I would be like dissing it. I would just be like, yeah, Rise Against. That's right. They're like a big band. See, I was firmly on the other side of that. Um, because like early rise against is fine. I think that revolution's permanent record's kind of cool. Yeah. And I, you know, definitely like a melodic hardcore thing, but their lyrics were pretty political, but it's, it's that harsh divide for me. Right. Like I remember very distinctly driving back home to Indiana after a show in the city and like, whatever was just like listening to the radio on a lark it was like late and i was Mm. just like flipping between stations just to like see what was happening in music and landed on something and i was like what the fuck is this this sounds like 
Nickelback, this is garbage. And then the person starts singing, and it's Tim from Rise Against, and I'm like, oh. And I think I had a harsher vibe on that, because, like, I do think they're ultimately, like, a fine band doing good things and all that. Sure. But that line got really blurry for me there, and it's, you know, like, I grew up uh, being into, like, my political awakening through music was propaganda. You I know. was going to call you out for being a propaganda kid when you started talking about this stuff, and I'm, I'm mad that I did. Yeah, I mean, you know, fuck the troops to hell. Like that uh-huh. was what I cared about, right? And then obviously it opened into like the entire world of anarcho punk and crass and mm-hmm. everything else. Oh, I started reading that book. It's fucking tight. Yeah, it's good. Um, so, you know, my thing is like, I'll be respectful, whatever. But it's weird to see it kind of bleed into Alkaline Trio, who. I will not say they were apolitical because I think though their songs were rarely about politics, I think their actions of being on Rock Against Bush, doing the plea for peace tours, doing benefit comps, like being, you know, kind of outspoken and, and advocates for things like Outside that. Outside of the music too, like, you know, very vocally against yeah. Bush early too. So it just felt not that anybody was like, Oh, let's just see how this goes. Yeah, let's see how this goes, yeah. Um, but I did glean a lot from like Matt Skiba and Tom DeLonge being very anti George Bush. And I was like, huh, interesting. The way my parents explained politics, uh, you'd have to be an idiot to not be a Republican. Yeah. You know, and it's just, it's one of those weird things where I guess for me, like these people who I would say I kind of looked up to, to a certain degree, then taking this route that blurred the line to go back to propaganda looking at uh the potemkin city limits record where they are openly critiquing fat mike in the song and in the liner notes to the record that he is releasing Mm -hmm. that's compelling and then singing about like indigenous people genocide in canada like that matters i don't see rise against doing that and i think when i see a band like alkaline trio putting something like this out instead of ever musically or artistically critiquing some of this stuff it, it it just rubbed me wrong yeah i think that it's interesting the way that things like that play out because i'm, I'm not familiar enough with the rise against tracking question to look at the pathos of it but my guess is that it's probably about someone that they met because they're a band like rise against yeah um and finding empathy in that situation. But when you put that out for a mass audience, you lose a lot of subtlety. Well, and I think, you know, again, I'm not intimately familiar with the Rising End song, but from my understanding, it's probably a critique that's packaged in this way that can easily be misread. Now, I'm obviously not going to hold Bruce Springsteen accountable for Born in the USA and its misreadings. But this was like, you have precedent that that's going to happen Mm -hmm. and you still do it. Well, there's another aspect too that we, we talk about band like rise against to play it on alternative radio. And you think about the experience that Laura Jane Grace talked about in her book Mm -hmm. playing at the warp tour and there being an army tent there and it's 
kind of a an odd reality that we might not think about in terms as stark as the just facts of the capitalism that exists in the worlds of subgenres and yeah, pop yeah, yeah. punk and emo and vagrant records and then you go into spaces like alternative rock radio mm-hmm. and you realize how present all of these things that we avoid by being in subculture yes. are just so ingrained in such a way that you look at it and it's scary and people around you don't notice the fact that it's like fucked up that this shit is so persistent it's like watching like football on tv and and then watching commercials i never fucking watch commercials no totally and then i see that shit and it's like oh my god this is still hitting a large portion of america much larger than any world that i'm involved in totally and i think you know looking at it and talking about radio now seems really quaint but even then it was still such a huge thing like internet streaming wasn't what it was you know like not everyone had access to high-speed internet until you know i mean i think the something like the digital divide like over half the country didn't have access to that until i think after 2012 Mm-hmm. So, like, at the time, this was a huge thing. It's what allowed a band like Rise Against to tour into fucking sheds and huge auditoriums across the country. Um, So, I guess my feeling is just, like, you know, it gets a little hinky for me. You know, I was coming up on stuff that was, you know, much more left-wing and left-leaning. And, like, I'm not trying to, like, shit on folks, but, like, that type of, like, symbolism... And, and nationalism never did much for me. So to, to bring this all back, mm-hmm. do I think this is the worst defender in Alkaline Trio's canon for something like this? No. Uh, we'll get to that at a later date, I'm sure. <laughs> and honestly, when I saw this was coming up, like my associations were kind of like, oh, I roll, whatever. For all these reasons and for it not really connecting with me at the time. And... Part of that being the experience of listening to this record. But Harsh Light of Day, it's not bad. It's not it's a not bad song. Bad. It's totally not a bad song. And the the fact that we both arrive at Rise Against for such uh such different reasons, my association with, with Rise Against, it's just like they're just going for it. Yeah. This is this is a this is a major label. It's on Epic. Um, I've been perusing Josh Abraham, the producer's credits, uh, previous to uh, Agony and Irony. What are those? What a- are those? Atreyu, Pink, Stained, Limp Biscuit, fucking Velvet Revolver. Wow. This wow. is a this is a big studio record and they're going for it. They're making their attempt and being so removed from having to deal with this yeah. in real time and also probably having the benefit of the fact that this didn't become what the alkaline trio are today yes um 
it's a really good production and it's a really really well composed track it's fucking stupid and silly Mm -hmm. and cheesy and it's nothing i would put on but if i took my brother to go see it because he really likes it i'd be down sure sure i i think i agree with that like i think going back to it i was like oh this is like a cheesy like really cloying ballad it's not that it's not that but there, just from a musical standpoint, like there's a lot of redeeming parts. I think Dan's bass playing on it's really great. I think there is a nice little like uptick in the chorus. Mm-hmm. My issue largely, you know, stems from the lyrics Matt presents in the chorus. I'm just always really put off by like, though I think the the verses are like, and he's since said like, singing about like his, you know uh grandmother and grandfather and and you know like all this stuff like it's a very personal song to him in those regards but then we turn into this like just like war analogy like softball bullshit that like it's just really off-putting to me yeah um but you know as as i've said before there was part of me that wanted them to make that kind of record and make it good and 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 have that success and and you know i wanted them to win Right, but I wanted them to win on their terms, mm-hmm. and and this was just so emblematic of them not doing that. Yeah, you know, and looking at it now in isolation, I think I appreciate it a little more because it's not immediately following a track. I think is terrible from a musical standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, you know, there's nothing wrong with them maybe slowing the pace and, and being a little more tempered in their approach and not just trying to write octave chord punk rock with diminishing returns. But, you know, I think it's a hard thing to pull off and not have it be cheesy and kind of just like opportunist. And and that's so much of what it's meant to me then, even if it doesn't as much now. Yeah. I, I, the thing that I wrote down is, you know, there's a lot of little things that are, going on in there that just scream lots of time in a studio and a a producer who says oh just um, make this noise and we'll put it underneath and I mean some of those sounds are really nice and you can look at early 90s cure and Mm -hmm. or even going back to like head on a door things like that where it's like their influences are there a little bit it's it's like very crystalline on this it's very very bright sounding and uh i would love to see the room that that place sure that that thing was recorded in um well just watch the hills (laughs) it's true um and i really like i yeah i just kind of took this in and tried to only focus on the music and thinking about it in just the perspective of this song isn't going to make me feel a different way about anything in my life. Yeah. And it's a nice song. It's got a nice bridge and mm-hmm. it's got a nice transition into it. I like that it returns to that little bass thing. That's just such a, like that bass intro is such a thing that you're just kind of strumming when you're at practice waiting for something to happen but the thing that i wrote down is it's not my band anymore totally it's it's just not mine totally and i think at the time i felt that in a very different way i felt it in a way that said 
go do your thing. Like, if you play a free concert on the quad, I'll go to it. But, yeah. Um, but, you know, now I can listen to it and say, oh, I I see where this was coming from and, and what it was going for. And in that, judging it on its merits there, yeah, it's it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think... I think what you said about like it not being your band anymore, very true. And I think that's very apt. And I think that was the feeling I was wrestling with mm-hmm. when it was also like, didn't see that coming, you know? I think that that is a thing that being removed from it in, in mm-hmm. the way that we both are is a little bit easier to settle with that feeling now because... Yeah. I don't know if it was like this for you. I I kind of had felt the momentum with them was fading off. So it wasn't like, actually, this is kind of the song that would be playing in the uh, romantic comedy drama about my relationship with the Alkaline Trio where, you know, at the end we decide to break up, but we're both happy for the time that we had and yeah 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 and maybe we're walking away from each other and then we'll flash back of me driving around and trying to see the the spots from goodbye forever only happy memories yeah. nothing nothing yeah, yeah, like yeah. i gotta listen to Bre- to bleeder to get me through sure sure, sure but uh it's a good soundtrack for like that that b movie scene um but yeah it's it had to be tough for you. <laughs> yeah, sure was, my man. Let me tell you. Uh, I feel like I've probably made a good amount of enemies in this episode, so I'm not going to say too much more. But what I will say is this is the type of song that, unlike a lot of more from this period on where I, I kind of can't understand how someone could relate to it. I could see this being a song someone really loves. Like, it makes sense to me. Yeah. You know, I could see this being the type of song. And I think there are some scattered through where I'm like, totally get it if you love this. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing, like, musically bad or, or any of that. My uh, unique opinions and views on the subject matter are my own. Um, but looking at it in the cold light of day it's just kind of like yeah you know this this is the extension of crimson mm-hmm. to a certain degree maybe more than i saw at the time i but, think really absolutely you know and maybe if the album was more like this mm-hmm. I, I might have a completely different view of it and and the entire thing but well, there's not a lot half, of that that so. back half Really, and I, mm-hmm. yeah, and I will say like this song and the two that kind of follow. We've talked about. I found a way, and then another song called "Do You Want to Know." Like I think it's maybe the strongest part of this record. Um, so it makes me want to revisit this album. It makes me kind of want to see what maybe else I've overlooked because of my personal biases. I don't think I'm going to come away with much, but it's like. I there is part of me now that I think you can see I wouldn't mind seeing them return to twinges of this again. Yeah. And this we're kind of winding things down so maybe this isn't like the best time to bring it up but 
it'd be interesting to look at to look at them and to wonder if they were making this record as their third LP, how different things would be. True. Because this is this failed. This did not do what well, was yeah. And intended. and it is interesting thinking about the way that our perspectives on Crimson have kind of changed over the course of doing this show and talking about it. And Agony and Irony really does make a lot more sense, I think, to to both of us as we've kind of talked about things and mapped it out. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the logical follow-up to Crimson in some In, in some, some ways, ways yeah. yeah. There are other logical follow-ups, but this one is like, oh, cool. And the fact that it didn't stick... I think really spin things in a, in a strange way, but thinking about the fact that this is the fifth, sixth LP. Yeah. Like you don't really get it. You don't really like get picked up at that point. I think that they're, I think that they're like old news as far as anybody, uh, you know, who's, deciding like hey this is this is a band that we should really get behind yeah i mean it's very rare especially in the modern ish era for a band to break through that late in their career Mm -hmm. you know i respect anyone for trying yeah you know but if it's not really by that third record you're you maybe got one more unless you're the goo goo dolls and you write the accidental hit yeah and there is no accidental hit here Mm -hmm. um yeah because this is this, this song is just straightforward. This is what we're doing. Yeah. So ultimately, I do think like we see a somewhat return to this style of thing, even on the newish record. Mm-hmm. There are some more mid-paced things that I think like Demon and Division, not exactly the same, but I see more. This is more akin to Over and Out than it is to fucking Cringe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, okay, I like you doing that a little better. I like when you're kind of being able to slow down and maybe add some nice keys or, or weird little lead lines in there. And this is, you know, kind of the test case for it, which we, we talk about a lot. There's a lot of songs that kind of are the linking to what comes next. And I think there are bits of that on this record. Is it one I love? Is it one I return to? Absolutely not. But like compared to how I felt about it 11 years ago, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. What do you rate it? I am going to give this song three and a half. I'm going to go two and a half. I think that that's about as as high as I could go with a song like this. Yeah, I'm giving it a little more just because there are things that I've seen in it that I like a little more, that feel more inspired than I would have given it. Mm-hmm. Had I had I done this without listening to it, it would have probably been a two. Yeah, but the bass playing, I think some of those Cure esque twinges are very nice, and there aren't a lot of songs where I see that. Um, so it, it rises up a little bit for me there. Um, and I do think some of Matt's lyrics in the verses being based around what they are nice, and they may be a little cloying and a little cheap, but. Credit where it's due. He's writing about uh, things that are personal to him, and sometimes the way you express that is just the... Maybe you don't need to be profound, because that's just really how you feel. Yep. 
Yep, I think that's a that's a good and succinct way to put it. Uh, this was a fun one. It was all over the place. I really, really enjoyed it, um, and we hope that you did too. And um, it it is interesting to get into these types of discussion and to keep in mind that there are a lot of different people out there listening, and I I think that we err on the side of we want to share our opinions and we have never filtered them. Um, but we do hope that, you know, this is something that everybody was able to enjoy. And, and if, uh, you know what I'm trying to say? I get what you're saying. If I may share an anecdote Uh huh. before we close. I just don't want anybody to be upset. I don't want this to be yeah. something that... If they're is... upset, they can DM me about and threaten me, which is always happens when I say stuff like this. Um, I respect whatever opinions anyone holds, but my issue with things of this is I'm going to loop this to Green Day. Shout to our friends at the Nimrods. Mm-hmm. A few years ago, I went to see Green Day when they were doing their small club tour. Small club tour, meaning the Aragon. Mm -hmm. And I think the difficulty I have with a song like this or Rise Against goes to American Idiot. And I say this because when you make quote-unquote political art that can be applicable to whatever political belief you hold, Mm -hmm. you run into the danger of going to a Green Day show in the year 2016, a couple weeks before the election. Oh, God. And as they're playing American Idiot material, the people behind me are yelling, lock her up. And I think that's the danger I feel with a lot of it is when punk rock becomes political in the most vague sense. Mm Mm-hmm. American Idiot is as applicable to a Bush hater as it is a Trump supporter. Yeah. And that's my concern. Mm-hmm. When we are just being vague, we mean nothing. So with all that, I respect whatever opinion anyone holds. I would love to have conversations about it. If you think I'm an asshole, that's fine. You can t- call me that and I will uh, acknowledge you and say thank you for your listening uh but i would be happy to have a conversation with you about it too um so my whole point is like the reason i always balk at songs like this is when it becomes so endlessly applicable mm-hmm. i think there's a lot of room for misunderstanding yeah. and that's always my fear so that's where i'm coming from with it that informs the totality of the previous 35 minutes that i've been saying stuff for <laughs> So th- that's where on I'm the dot, from. honestly. I'm very good at just guessing time. Apparently, <laughs> not much else. Well, that's what that's what happens when you do 76 of these things. Uh-huh. You get a real feel for it. Um, we do hope that you come back for number 77. I think. Uh, I don't. I can't remember the numbers ever. Uh, yeah. Tell I have a friend. No clue where we're at. <laughs> <laughs> um. We're on Patreon, patreon.com slash as you were. Help us keep the lights on and uh, maybe invest in central air in this place because I'm fucking dying. This has been a real sweat fest. 
We'll be back next week. Thanks, folks.